Welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship gathering at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Please sit back and enjoy our teaching time now with lead pastor, John Buckley. Bibles, please, and turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start there today, Colossians chapter 1. As I mentioned, we're going to be talking about spirit beings today. Um, I'm not going to have time to go through everything in relationship to that, so let me just uh, share with you real quick here a couple books. If you want to borrow any of them from me or look them up, uh, these would be good books for you to have anyways, no matter what, but this is uh, Basic Theology by Ryrie. It's a great one. It'll give you all the theologies that are in the scriptures, and it's got a great section on angels and demons as well. And then this one by James Montgomery Boyce, Foundations of the Christian Faith. If you want to get the titles of them or take a picture, but uh, good things for us as believers is to know why we believe what we believe, and theology is the foundation for all that. So if you're interested at all, um, I encourage you. That'll give you more extensive. Today, we're just going to kind of scratch the surface of this topic. We're going to go over our... uh, doctrinal statement and the actual statement that we have. We're going to put it up on the screen for you so you can see it and be aware of it. And we're going to kind of go over it with you together. And then today we're going to be flipping around a lot. If you have a Bible in front of you, um, the Colossians passage, if you haven't found it, is uh, page 1251. And I'm going to be you a lot of scriptures today. So if you don't follow with them on all of them, um, I'm going to turn to some. Others, we're just going to be, I'm going to be reading to you, but I, you might want to write them down because there's going to be a lot of stuff you might want to look up later as we go through this important passage. The reason we decided to go through as our, do, our doctrinal statement was because we felt it was important that we as a church, when you join the church, you, you, you know what we believe, you think about it, you read a lot of times the doctrinal statement, you're taught it, you're aware of it, but along the way, we can forget these foundational things about why we do what we do as a church. So what we felt was important as elders to do is as we focused on our core value of teaching and living God's word, we came up with the phrase, teach, learn, and live. Teach means we have an obligation, both us as leadership and you out there in the congregation, to teach the word of God. Some of you have it as an opportunity to do it in your families, others of you in your workplace, some of you teach Bible studies, you're in gap groups. The learn part, now that's everybody's responsibility as well. What are you going to do to personally take responsibility to not just hear what's taking place, but actually learn it? Dig into the passages later, ask questions, really understand the word of God. And then the last thing is, you got to live it. If you don't believe it, then if you don't live it, you don't believe it. So if you really believe something, you live it out. You you understand it, and then you carry it out in your life as God's word says to us in many different passages. So that's why we did the teach, learn, live aspect of things um, for our core value series, and specifically with teaching and living God's word. So when you look at our doctrinal statement, this is the first paragraph. If you look at it, you can go online and see it. There's also bullet points underneath it. We're not going to get into those. And then there's scripture verses at the bottom, which we're going to be referring to some of those today, besides these couple that are here. So we believe that God created spirit beings, some of whom, who remain, some of whom remain faithful to God, those are angels, and worship and serve him eternally, and some of whom rebel, demons, and work against the plans and purposes of God until their final judgment. That's what our doctrinal statement says. 
Now, there's lots of stuff we could talk about in this area. Ray Golden has done a great class multiple times on spiritual warfare. And there's a lot of that part of it we're not going to get into today. You're not going to really be able to, to delve into. But for you to be aware of the fact that there is warfare going on, even that we can't see right now around us. Now, as believers, that shouldn't scare us. That shouldn't give us the heebie-jeebies. It's not some mystical type situation. It's the powers of, of, of darkness fighting. It's the powers of God. And we know what the Bible says. We know who's winning. We know what the outcome is. We don't have to worry or be fretful about that. And along the way, we know that we have the Holy Spirit in us as Christians, and we have the opportunity to be able to see his power live through my life and in my life so that we can conquer the forces of the evil one. So the first thing I want to talk to you about today is that God created spirit beings. That's why I have you in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 or page 1251. We're going to be in verse 15 and 16. God created spirit beings. And the passage says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. That's an important passage there. God is the creator of all things. Things we see, things we don't see, powers at work that are visible, powers at work that are invisible, these things that are taking place all around us that we have the opportunity to be able to be impacted by. God is the creator. God is the one that makes all things, and God made spirit beings. Now, we can ask the question, why? And we're going to try to answer that to some degree today about why we have angels and why some of them God allowed to rebel against him. We'll get into a little bit of that as we go through things today. Now, although we know that God created spirit beings, we know that angels and demons are a part of that, and they're, and they're all over in the scriptures. We're going to be sharing some of that info. Now, in the Bible, when it talks about angels, there are three different categories besides the generic phrase of angels that are there. There's cherubims, there's seraphims, and there's archangels. Those are three different aspects or three different kinds of angels. Now, when it comes to demons, there doesn't seem to be any at least acknowledgement of what, who might be a captain of, of demons or who might be different authorities other than Satan himself. He's the one that over and over again is stated as the one overseeing and directing the demons that are there. We know that ultimately angels come underneath the authority of God to do his work. So let's talk about angels first. Angels are God's faithful messengers. Now, the word angel comes from um, a word that would be really easy to determine in the Greek. Some words you read in the Greek and go, what is that talking about? Some are easy. Angelos. Wow, that's pretty easy, huh? Angelos is the Greek word for angels, which means messenger. So we know, as we think about that, that word messenger, that God has messengers. And you think about it. God used his messengers to deliver his word in different ways. Now, there was the prophetic kind way that he did that, like Mary we know that God had an angel go talk to Mary. We know about Joseph. There's lots of places in the scripture, we're going to bring one in, in particular to play there, where angels came and talked. And we think my favorite angel story is, well, I have two of them. One of them, I'm not going to remember the passage now, because I had it there and I didn't write it down. See, I think I don't need to write everything down, and then this happens. One of my cool ones is when Elisha is, is being, the city he's in is under siege, and the enemy forces are around him, and they're like, basically what a siege is, is they keep everybody inside until they give up because they don't have any food or water. They run out of those things. And the Bible talks about how, you know, I look at it this way. I see Elijah on the, on the top of the wall going around. I figure that he's kind of sitting there. This is not in the Bible. This is John's picture of him. Sitting there in his chase lounge, 
drinking a drink with an umbrella out of it, just kind of chilling out while everybody else is freaking out. Like, what's going to go on? We're all going to die. They're going to come get us. We're going to starve to death. What are we going to do? And Elisha's prophet was doing the same thing. He was like, what's going to happen? How are we going to do this? And again, this is John Buckley uh, depicting the passage there. I can just see, you know, I'm taking the straw away from his mouth. He goes, God, give him spiritual vision. And immediately the Bible says that Elisha's servant was able to see the spiritual world and saw that in between the enemies of the, of the of children of Israel and the city, they were ringed around with angels and chariots. I love that story. Wow. Just reminds you about the power and what God does. My other favorite one is when Jesus Christ's announcement was made. I would have, that's one of those time, if you could take a time machine, I'd love to go back and be in the hills outside of the city when the angels came and told the shepherds. And they're just watching the sheep, dozing off, you know, hearing a few of them, low, you know, lambs that are bleeding because they're unsettled and they're kind of dealing with things. And then out of nowhere, the skies light up and all these angels start saying glory to God and telling them about what was going to happen. And you talk about mind-blowing. I mean, I know the story, so I probably wouldn't be freaked out. Maybe I would anyways. But I would love to see a look on a shepherd's face like, wow, what's going on? Are you see that? And you see what it says. They ran into the city after they saw that. So those are a cool couple, I think, are some of the coolest angel message stories that are out there. We also know that they're warriors, in a couple different paces in scriptures, and this is where I don't have time to really delve into it, and if you want to look at these books, but you'll see that there's a couple of places specifically where there's warfare that takes place between angels and demons. So we know that they are also warriors. So here's a few facts I wanted to share with you in relationship to angels. First of all, they can take on human form. Demons cannot take on human form, but angels can. Genesis chapter 18, if you want to flip there with me, if you have one of the Bibles in front of you, it's page 16, Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. I was going to put markers in all these verses, and then I remember back to the time when I was a little kid, and I went to witness at a nursing home, and I had all the Romans road marked in my Bible, and I had this big, and the only Bible I thought we had in our house was this huge, it seemed huge to me at the time. Actually, I left my preaching Bible at home, so I got my big study Bible here today. But I remember I had all these things marked on there, and I was going to witness to the guy, and I dropped my Bible on the table, and it flipped open, and all my little markers flew to the ground. I was like, no, I don't know what to do now. So I didn't put those in anymore. I might be tainted by that. Genesis chapter 18. Genesis 18. So now I'm not going to read the whole story, but let's start in verse 1, and I'll just share a little bit. This is Abraham, and these are the angels that are going to come to tell him that he and his wife are going to have a baby that they, they're beyond birth-giving age, uh, and, and, and so they're surprised by it. But this is what happens. Chapter 18, verse 1. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. Now, a lot of times when it says the Lord appeared and there's human people, or excuse me, human forms, at sometimes that is actually the Lord himself showing himself. Daniel, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the fire, the fiery furnace, and, and uh, the king Nebuchadnezzar looks inside and goes, wow, there's not just three, there's four, and one looks like the Son of God. Now, that way you know specifically it's God because it says Son of God there. In this situation, God could have been one of the three men, or the Lord Jesus Christ could have been one. We're not positive, but we know there was also angels here because it was more than just, just, just the one. And it says, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw him, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself on the earth. So he must have known something when he saw him, because you don't usually see somebody walking down the road and go, oh, run and bow in front of him. 
Uh, it just wasn't normal. Even back then, that wasn't normal. So he knew that, some, that there was something going on here. And it says, uh, let's see here, verse number three, and he said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you've come to your servant. So they said, do as you said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the head to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to the young man who prepared it quickly. And he took curds and milk and the calf that he prepared and set it before him. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. So we see a few things. We see that angels can be in human form. We also see that they can eat, they can communicate, they can drink. That's all in this passage. Now, this is one of many, and like I said, that's where you can look up more, but I at least wanted to have you that one, that they do take on human form. Now, here's a really interesting thing. Do you know that angels are mentioned over 100 times in the Old Testament and over 165 times in the New Testament? Now, it still doesn't seem like a lot, but now, now listen to this statistic. Do you know that angels are mentioned in 34 of the 66 books of the Bible? There's a lot more about angels than we realize. 34 of the 66 books of the Bible, angels are mentioned. That's a lot of times. It shows you how permeated that we even miss, I think, because I I preach all the time, and I thought, wow, that's a lot. I I didn't realize that, but you see how permeated in Scripture and in the lives of the New and Old Testament um, saints, how many times that angels interact and were used by God in those situations to be able to be his messengers. The other thing that I didn't realize is how many they were. I know there's lots of angels, but, but look, listen to this verse. If you want to turn to it, you can. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, or page 13, 14 in the, in the pew, uh, the, the Bibles in the chairs. We don't have pews, so I can't really use pew Bibles because it really doesn't. And this is what the Bible says, Revelation 5, 11. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders' voice of many angels, numbering, listen to this, Myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Now, I don't know how many thousands of thousands are, but it's a lot. And myriads of myriads, I don't even, you know, what's myriads a lot, I know that. But I don't know how many a myriad is, I didn't look that up. I mean, so it just shows you there's many, there are lots and lots and lots of angels that are out there that are doing the work of God in lots of different ways. So you can see, like I said, that the angels are a big deal. And we rarely attribute much to them, and yet if we really pay attention, God uses them in lots of different ways in the Scripture to impact his people and even the non-believing world for his glory. Now let's talk a little bit about demons. Let's talk about demons. Demons are the followers of Satan. If you want to turn with me, we're going to take a real big jump from Genesis back to Revelation chapter 12. If you have one of those Bibles, you can turn to page 1318, Revelation chapter 12. Demons are the followers of Satan. Okay, chapter 12 and verse number one, we're going to start at. Now we're, now we're into the prophetic aspects. Revelation is a book that's harder to understand a lot of times because of the word pictures that are used and understood. Now I'm going to tell you this, but you're going to see it as we go down. We're going to go all the way through verse number nine. But we're going to see in here that it talks about a woman that's talked about here. But more importantly, we want to notice in here that it's going to talk about a dragon. 
The dragon is the devil. And you're going to see the Bible says that down further. But just so you understand as you're, as you're reading this passage a little bit um, and going through it. So verse 1 says this in Revelation 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. And on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems, or crowns. Verse 4, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven. Now, that's an important phrase, a third of the stars of heaven. Because as you look at and, and see other aspects of Scripture, that's when it talks about specifically that third of the stars of heaven is when there was a battle in heaven that's written about in Isaiah that talks about the warfare that took place, and the devil ended up with a third of the angels of heaven that followed him who became demons. So they used to be angels, followers, and messengers of God, and they became demons. Why did they follow him? All we can go to is what the Bible says in relationship to why Satan, who was an archangel, why he chose to reject God's authority. The Bible says that he wanted to be like God. Pride got in the way. He said, I'm greater than God. I want to be better than God, or I should at least be equal to God. And God cast him out of heaven, and he took a third of the angels with him. Okay, so just to enter, I know it's a lot of information, and again, we can, we're not going to have time to delve into all that, but that gives you a little bit of the background there. And it says this, um, let me see here, um, verse 4 is where we started, cast, and third of the stars of heaven, cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that she, when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all nations, that's Jesus, with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she, was, where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be punished for 1,200, I'm sorry, it's not Jesus, but 1,260 days. Now verse 7, now war arose in heaven, this is where the battle takes place, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. That's going to talk about times to come. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient servant who is called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So we see that lots of terms are given to the devil. You see a few of them listed here, deceiver of the whole world, Satan, serpent, and dragon that we mentioned there. And the followers, the demons who are following uh, Satan, that's what their title is, they were, were ones who used to be angels who followed Satan when he was thrown out of heaven because of his standing saying, I will be God. Now we need to understand this, not only do they comprise a third of the spirit beings, but they are, they are our enemies. These demons are our enemies. And, and we need to be very, very careful. I'm, and I'm not saying this to scare anybody, that's not my intention, but we need to be aware of the fact that demons do have authority and power. We need to recognize that. And because the devil does have power. He's been given power. So the demons also have power as well. They're going to be our enemies. Look with me to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, or page 1245. Ephesians 6, verse 11 and 12. Ephesians 6, 11 and 12. A, a familiar passage. And it says this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devils. So what does that let us know? That lets us know the devil has schemes that he's trying to get us with, and he also lets us know that we're supposed to have the armor on so that we can be fighting against or be prepared to fight against the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, or we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, 
against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's who we fight against. The devil and his, his angels are our enemies. So we need to be very careful when we mess around with anything that is even a whiff of the devil and his demons. It's not something to mess around with in any shape or form. Magic is something, if you're going to do one of those where you say, which card, I get that. But you have to be really careful when it comes to the magic about casting spells and things like that, because that's all things that take place in that evil world, that, that spiritual forces world of the devil and his angels. So we just need to be aware of that, that he is still active. It's not like he's just kicked back. Now, I think most of us know that when we look around the world that we're, that we're in. And I think that the devil, the way he's trying to win things the greatest in our world is two ways. Number one, he's trying to make Christians apathetic. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many people here this week look for an opportunity to try to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now, that's one of those situations as he evaluates your life and you look at your life and where you're at. I believe as I talk to more and more Christians that we, take, we, look, we don't look for, pray for, pursue opportunities to share the gospel. And we need to be more aware of that. It's, it's because we become apathetic. We're scared. We're you know, fearful. How are they going to respond? Am I going to lose my job? This, that, or the other thing. And I realize there's proper and improper context, but we have a lot more opportunities than we realize if we pray and look for them. But the devil wants us to be apathetic. So we're not, we're not sharing the gospel like we should as Christians, and we're not discipling and being discipled the way we should. We have a thousand excuses, but those are both things that are commanded in Scripture. And the devil just wants you to think that's somebody else's job. I'm too busy, God. You know my circumstance. I don't have enough Bible knowledge. I don't have enough time. You don't understand my family or my job or my certain circumstances. You can make all the excuses you want, folks, but the scripture says that we're called to share the gospel, not win people. That's God's job. We're sharing the gospel, and we're called to make disciples. And if we're not doing that on an ongoing basis, we are not being obedient to God. And we're apathetic in our Christianity. And the devil, that's what he's trying to do to Christianity. Take the players out of the game. Go watch a soccer game where you have 11 players playing against a goalie on the other side. Who's going to win? The 11 players, unless you have a really, really amazing goalie that's big enough to cover the whole you know, uh, uh, goal that's there. And, and we've got to realize that as things go on in this world, we as Christians more than ever before need to be out there as light and salt and discipling the body so we can be light and salt the way he's called us to be. Now, I think the other thing the devil's trying to do is he tries to take so many things and he puts a little bit of truth into it and a, and a whole lot of lie. And more and more that's happening in our culture and our politics and the things that are taking place. If you didn't listen to the talk, uh, the teaching time that Brian did on Christian and homosexuality did a couple weeks ago, it's on our website. It's also on our weekly, well, link on our weekly update. You can, that's just one area of minis that the devil's trying to take things and make it where, oh, instead of, no, this is what scripture says. And, and again, if our whole world gets where there's no moral absolutes, where everybody can do that, which is right in their own eyes, which happened in the days of Noah, then we're going to end up in a situation again with Christians apathetic, not sharing the gospel, not making disciples, the world thinking that morality is based upon my feelings and my situation, then guess what? We're not going to see the power of God unleashed in the way that he intends for it to be on this planet. The devil's out there and he's fighting. and We need to be aware that he's a real enemy and so are his demons. But we also see this. If that discourages you at all, I want to remind you of something that's even better than that. Their fate is sealed. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, or page 1056, 
I'm just going to read it. Then he will say to those on his left, those will be where the angels are at. Well, it says it. Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It's talking about that time, individuals who reject Christ and that that's where they're going to spend the eternity is with those, they're going to be cursed and they're going to be an eternal fire that was prepared not for them, but for the devil and his angels. Their fate is secure. They're going away. They're defeated. They just don't know it yet. And they're fighting hard to try to bring as many as they can with them, but their fate is sealed. And we also need to understand this. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5 with me. Mark chapter 5, or page 1068. Mark chapter 5. Now, I said demons can't, they can't take on the form of humans like angels can, but demons can oppress Christians. Demons cannot possess Christians. You have the Holy Spirit in you as a Christian, and therefore the devil can't come in. But the devil can oppress Christians. So be aware of that. Not possess, but oppress Christians. So the devil, but, but, but we do know that the devil can possess humans in general. In Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 5, those that are, that are without Christ. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, the country of Gerasenes. I'm sure I said that wrong. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He had, a de- he had demons in him. And, you can, and if you look in the New Testament, you're going to see lots of places where you see that happened. Demons can possess humans, just not Christians. He can only oppress Christians. So we need to be aware of that, that again, that power and that authority that's there. I want to give you a couple of takeaways. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13 now. We're almost done, just a couple more passages. Hebrews 13. Angels are real, so be alert. Angels are real, so be alert. I love this passage. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. The Bible says, let brotherly love continue. Now listen to this verse, verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitalities to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. There's times that you may interact with angels and aren't even aware of it. They are real, and God has them for a specific purpose. If you want to hear a story that my wife and I have once sometime, it's a cool story where we're sure that God sent an angel down to be a part of a situation we were in. It does happen. We shouldn't go, oh, that person's a fruitcake if they say that. It happens. Now, let me say this. You already think I'm a fruitcake. It's okay. That's a bygone conclusion, Pastor John. Let me say this. God predominantly works through his Holy Spirit and the word of God in our lives. But he will at times use angels. You can see that all through scriptures. Predominantly, what does he call us to? Let the Holy Spirit work within us and use the word of God to go out and do what he's called us to do. But there are times that he does use angels. They are out there. So be alert. Now we say, be alert for what? Hey, you know what? It can, it, if nothing else, it's a story to remind you about the way that God can intercede and the way God can intervene and the cool things that God can do that are mind-blowing. Now, I will say this. A lot of times people say, do we have a guardian angel? The Bible doesn't ever say anything about guardian angels. There are times angels, again, can intervene, but we don't all have our own guardian angel. It's not with, at least the scriptures don't teach that anywhere. But angels are real. 
And the Bible says here clearly in Hebrews that there's times you may interact with them and aren't even aware of it. So we need to be aware of that and be alert to it. Not in a bad way, in a cool way, because you just don't know what God's going to do in those situations. And honestly, what's the challenge here is just that we should not neglect to show hospitality, specifically to strangers. He He knew he didn't have to tell the Jews to show hospitality to each other. They understood that they were supposed to show hospitality to each other. Again, Christians, that should be a hallmark of ours. Not my house isn't big enough, not I don't have enough money. Believe me, a cup of coffee is pretty cheap. A cup of tea, a glass of water, a walk at the park. If you don't have money, you can still show hospitality to people. But that's one of those. He was saying, show hospitality. Christians already knew that, but he goes, hey, to do it to strangers, that was the next step. People you don't know. Strangers here would have been foreigners, people that weren't Jewish. The Samaritans, ooh, The outsiders, they're unclean. No, I'm calling you, he says, to do that. So that's the challenge here. And then just kind of the reminder, because sometimes the people you entertain may even be angels that you don't even know about. Now there's a second point I want you to hear. The devil and his demons are real, so be alert. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, for lack of sake of time, I'm just going to read it to you, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, adversary, that's your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's what he's trying to do. The devil and his demons are looking for opportunities to come and to get you. The devil loves to mess with your mind. How did he mess way back in the beginning with Adam and Eve? Take a little bit of truth and twist it. And he does it all the time. Well, you don't really have to love your husband. You don't really have to forgive your wife. God doesn't really love you because you did. God can't forgive you for that one. God's just a big meanie. He doesn't really care about you or he would have done this. Those are all lies the devil gives us. They're lies. You say, Pastor John, how do we know what's lies and what's truth? Truth is what's in scripture. If it's in scripture and it's stated as truth, this is truth. God's principles are laid out here. This is what we live by, folks. And then he gives us the spirit of God in us to also prompt and direct us. So we can't listen to those lies. That's what he's trying to constantly do to take you out of commission. But the devil and his demons are real, so be vigilant. He is trying to destroy mankind. But remember 1 John 4, 4, everybody. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do you hear that? 1 John 4, 4. If you don't memorize a lot of verses, memorize that one. So when the devil comes knocking and comes bothering you and whispering in your ear, you say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Jesus Christ broke the chains of death, hell, and the grave when he died on the cross to redeem mankind. The devil has no authority over you if you're a child of God. You do not believe his lies. And if you're not here as a child of God, I encourage you today to get your life sealed in Jesus Christ today, to accept his gift of salvation and become his child. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's one of my 2 a.m. verses when I can't go to sleep and the devil's messing with me. It's a great verse. Now I got one last thing for you. One last place to turn in the Bible, okay? Christ is victor, so be comforted. John, let's turn over to John, the book of John. John chapter one. Christ is victor, so let's be comforted. John chapter one, or page 1127, if you have one of the Bibles in front of you. John chapter one. 
verse 1. Again, page 1127. We're going to be through verse 3. Man, God's Word's got so many awesome passages in it. This is another great one. Actually, we're going to go through verse 5. Verse 5. In the beginning was the Word. Capital W there. That means Christ was in the beginning. The Word, Christ. Christ is the Word. In the beginning, folks, was Christ. And the Word was with God. Christ was with God. We already talked about the Trinity a few months ago. And the Word was God. Jesus Christ is God. There's a great verse, by the way, to show to some of the cults that say that Jesus Christ wasn't God. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus was a part of that process of bringing angels into existence. Jesus has been here through the decades and the generations along with his father to see the things that have taken place. Now, here's my favorite part of this passage, verse 4. In him was life. Now, we're not talking about human heart-beating life. We're talking about spiritual life, okay? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We are in darkness with the demons and the devil until we come to that point where we accept the gift of salvation and we enter into light eternal. That should get us excited, folks. If you're here as a child of God, you have that light, And you have the opportunity to share that light with everybody around us. This world needs light. The devil's not done and his demons aren't done until the day that Christ comes back and he's defeated completely and cast in to the pit for a thousand years at the very end. But Jesus Christ is light. And then verse five, the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not. The darkness has not overcome it. Will not overcome it. Now, you ask any child that's in a room that's dark that doesn't have a nightlight, how scary that can be. Now, you as adults, if you have nightlights still, you don't have to confess to that right now. Now, if that nightlight goes out, I told my story about the one time the light bulb burned out and I thought the monsters were going to get me. Or you'd be a child. I remember at camp when that was the one of the few times I got my own flashlight. And one camp I was at called Camp Joy, the cabins were on one side and the facility was on the other side. We had to go through this path through this hill in these woods. So you wanted your flashlight. And as a junior age kid, man, to have a flashlight was a cool thing. And to be able to shine it without mom and dad telling you to turn it off was even greater. Because usually you annoyed your parents, you shine it. You know, you do the right thing at first. You walk your way, but you get bored as a child, so you shine it in people's eyes. You do whatever you can to irritate things. I mean, not any of you, I'm sure, but my, my children have done that in the past. I won't tell you which ones, but you get the flashlight. I remember I, the coolest thing is it's pitch black out, and we're just getting to the edge of the woods, and you turn the flashlight on, and wow, you can see everything. You see the roots that could trip you. You see the low-hanging branches that can catch you. You see the rocks that you could stumble over. You can see it all with a little flashlight. And folks, this world's a dark place. We watch the news. You see what's on the internet. There's a lot of tragic stories out there. 
I think more than ever, first of all, for those of you that are believers, be reminded Christ is our victor. He's light. Let him guide you, direct you, and empower you. And for those of you that may not may be here without Christ, I encourage you today, accept his gift and have that eternal light as a part of your life as he lives in you and becomes your savior. He is the victor. So there are spirit beings. There's demons and there's angels. We've scratched the surface. We've shared with you. You can read the bullet points in our doctrinal statement. You can go deeper in the passages. I got these books here. You can learn lots and lots about them. But the bottom line is at the end of all of it, for us us to be reminded that angels will serve Christ, demons will serve the devil, and at the end of it all, Christ is the victor. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, today for your word. Thank you so much, Lord, for the way that you work in and through us, God. Thank you, Lord, for the power that you have given to us in the form of your son. Lord, that we might have eternal life. Lord, that's an amazing comfort. What hope we have in that. And Lord, I'm thankful for this study as we realize how many times you used angels, how many opportunities even the demons show up in the scriptures. But Lord, to know that above all, we're on the winning side. And Lord, I do pray if there's someone here today that's never taken that step to accept you as Savior, that today would be the day. I pray that for some that might be scared of some of this talk, that it might unsettle them, that they would just seek the truth of your word in it to realize the beauty of the roles that are out there and the power that you have to help us overcome the evil one. Thank you again, Lord, for your word and for the message you gave to us today. In your precious name, amen.